Matt McWilliams is living proof that one can pursue one's passion in life and do so while making a profit as well. Matt is here to help you on your quest to turn your passion and message into a profitable and growing business. He's been through the startup phase multiple times in the past two decades and has built a following from scratch. Today, he lives out his passion for helping others find their purpose, passion, message, and path to profitability. Turn Your Passions into Profits is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Navy Federal Credit Union takes the legwork out of saving and investing with a variety of choices. Check out Navy Federal Supercharged Rates at NavyFederal.org slash save and invest. All right, today we're talking with Matt McWilliams, uh, author of Turn Your Passions into Profits. Matt's a big affiliate marketing guy, also runs the Affiliate, uh, affiliate Guy podcast. Matt, thanks for being here today. Uh, got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, business entrepreneurship. I would like to go back and hear a little bit about your background, where you're coming from. Oh my gosh. So I was born, a lot of people know exactly where I was born. I was born about 10 minutes from Fort Bragg, <laughs> uh, a little town called Pinehurst, North Carolina. Yep. And if you know anything about that, like everybody in Fort Bragg, like you eventually hear about this place called this mythical place called Pinehurst, you know? And, uh, uh and, and so I grew up there, uh, it's the golf capital of the world, you know, and so naturally I grew up not playing golf at all, <laughs> but later in life, I, I got into golf, played, uh, played at the university of Tennessee, turned professional, played for a while, kind of on the mini tours. And, uh, eventually, uh, injury ended up getting the best of me. I've still got it to this day. They, they had two bones out of alignment in my left wrist. And they're like, well, your two choices are have surgery. The recovery time is 18 months. Um, or, uh, just quit playing. Cause it, you know, it clearly it's inflaming a lot. I was like, I don't know how much I, you know, honestly, how dedicated I am to this, to be out for 18 months and then try yeah. to come back. You know, this was, wow. this was at the beginning of my career, not when I had millions of dollars. I was like, Nope, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to do what I said I would never do, which is teach golf. And, uh, I grew up with, you know, a friend of mine uh, named Hunter Ingram. And we always swore we would never be one of those golf guys who grew up around the game, played for a few years, maybe you know, played in college, maybe played professionally and then taught old ladies in purple sweaters how to play golf. <laughs> and this is nothing against old ladies in purple sweaters. We were 15, 16, 17 year old. And that's what we saw as kind of like the epitome of like, oh my gosh, my life is at an, you know, like I have really just I have quit on my dreams and I'm doing what I swore I would never do. So I got to working with my dad and I was about 22 into 23 years old. And I discovered this website called Google. You guys have probably heard of it, you know? And, and I was like, dad, we're teaching these golf schools, but if we go to Google and we give them a little bit of money, then they send us like a lot of traffic. You know, I'm simplifying this of course back then, but it yeah. was pretty much the simple and then we convert them into, to, you know, people who buy it. And so what I teach in the book, you know, today is you build an audience, you attract visitors, you build an email list so you can nurture the relationship and, and then, you know, get them to like you. And then you sell things to them over time. Right. right. Not back then. You came to my website, you had two choices, leave or give me $2,500. Well, about one out of every 200 people gave us, you know, 2000 to $2,500 for 10 cents a click, we're spending $20 to acquire a $2,000 plus customer. And nice. so, you know, this business just takes off with my dad. 
and I'm doing, you know, my dad and I are splitting the money 50, 50. We're having, you know, eight students on a weekend, 16, you know, $18,000 split two ways. I'm 22 years old. I'm making $9,000 in a weekend. Like what? That's just yeah. stupid. So even though you it's know, web, like, even though it's web based, ultimately people show up. Yes. Friday do. through Sunday every week. And I have to okay. teach them. And then cool. one day, sure enough, Friday morning, about 10 o'clock, about a 70 year old lady wearing a lavender sweater showed up and I went, dang. Like, I just realized like, you know what? I hate teaching golf. Like I've hated teaching golf this whole time. I love the business side. I love the marketing side, yeah. but I really hate teaching golf. Yeah. And I sent a picture, you know, my friend Hunter, rather like the 0.2 megapixel flip phone that you had back then. I took a picture, sent it to him. And I, and all I said was kill me now. Look who just showed <laughs> you know? up. Now for those females out there, you know, like you got to put yourself in your female shoes for a second. Like a good female friend would respond and say, Oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. They would call you. I'm so sorry. I'm on the next flight. I will bring a casserole. Right. Maybe that's a little <laughs> bit of a stereotype, but that's a good female friend. Right. Yeah. But a good male friend, all the dudes out there are like, yeah, I know exactly what it's like. He responded back and said, ha ha, such to be you. <laughs> and so, but that was the beginning of the end. Thankfully my dad fired me a few months later. And, um, and, uh, that was the beginning of the end for me as a golf instructor, but it kind of launched me into this internet marketing phase all, all, all there about, you know, 10 minutes from Pinelandia. If anybody, again, if you, if you, if you were in the army, you know, Pinelandia. So that's no the, kidding. yeah, that's that area there. We were, uh, our house was literally, um, no, no joke across the street was technically in it. And then we were on the side where we didn't, but we'd, you know, not growing up in the military. Um, I had a, I had a dad, uh, back when, back when, back when you could, you were flat footed and they wouldn't let you join. That was my dad. He was the funniest thing. He had no arches to his feet at all. It was the weirdest thing. Yep. Um, so I never had like my, my grandfathers were both in the military. Um, and I had a ton of like cousins and my brother-in-law was, uh, I don't remember what he can't really talk about what he did. It's kind of weird. He's one of those, he's one of those military guys. Like, I can't tell you what I did, you know? <laughs> um, and all that, but growing up right there, I, I was always like, I was always fascinated by the people living in Moore County, North Carolina, there, everybody was ex-military. Every, like all the people I knew oh, yeah. were ex-military. And I was always fascinated. They'd hit 28, 26, 32, whatever the age was. And then this thing that they'd been doing for seven, eight years and their lives were, you know, basically controlled by the military. What happened next? You know, like you've got 40, 50, 60 years of life left. Yeah. What was that next thing? And it was fascinating to me, the variety of things, like everything from helping veterans to helping people who are in the, you know, in the military at that time to becoming like a baker, you know, or a chef and everything in between. Like, it was just fascinating. Like they had all these things that they were, when they were 15, 16, 17, and then all through their twenties or so, even when they were in the military, they were passionate about, and then they finally turned it into a business afterwards. And it was always fascinating to see that where I lived. I think I was exposed to that because we were basically Moore County was nothing more than a, it was like you had, you had Yankees who moved down South and people who left the military. That was like the entire existence of our County. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was a very interesting upbringing, I guess you could say. Yeah. So you got out of the golf business, but you must've stayed in the internet business. That's where I've been for the last 20 years. Um, that was the one that I couldn't shake it. Yeah. You know, I think I wasn't, I wasn't super attracted to just the money. Cause quite frankly, when I was 22, 23, making that kind of money, I was an idiot. Um, <laughs> you know, what a great problem to have, but I was just stupid. I had no business with that kind of money. I mean, I, yeah. I, I still lived with my mom 
paid her two fifty a month in rent. You can do the math. Like it just meant I had a boatload of money to do really dumb stuff with. And so I did, I did a lot of dumb stuff. And and for about two years there was just a complete moron, you know, financially, mm-hmm. uh, I had a great car though. Like I had all the trappings of it, but I was just an idiot. And about a year or so, you know, about a year after kind of that whole mess and going through that, I was just like, you know what? I, there, there's gotta be more, you know, to this, like I've, I've kind of done the make money thing. I want to, I want to do something else. I want to do something that matters. And so I started kind of looking for that at a pretty young age, you know, 25, I was like, okay, what the heck am I supposed to do with my life? And I started a business with a friend of mine. And um, one of the best things that ever happened was, you know, we spent all of our money. Um, at that point, I was now spending it on things that were at least arguably smart, although they were dumb business-wise, but at least I was trying to do something, you know, I wasn't just going out and buying the whole bar around drinks, you know, let, let's blow three grand in a night type stuff. Um, at least now I was trying to do smart stuff, but I was an idiot, you know, I didn't know any better. And so we spent a lot of money on really dumb stuff. And we faced a situation where quite frankly, we were, we were about two weeks from not making payroll. And, uh, and I talk about in the book, like how I ca- overcame that it's later in the book, you know, starting an affiliate program. And that's a little bit more advanced than what most of the book is, but you know, that was, that became kind of our saving grace. And that was finally in 2005 Memorial day weekend, 2005, when I'm supposed to be at a cookout, I'm supposed to be eating hot dogs, supposed to be hanging out with my friends. Uh, I spent 18 hours a day for about five straight days from Saturday through Wednesday, learning how to finally run an online business the right way. You know, not just the, I stumbled into the, Oh, you can go to Google and pay 10 cents a click crap. Uh, even by then 10 cents a click was a joke. You're paying $20 a click, you know? Uh, I finally figured it out and I've been figuring it out ever since. And that ultimately what led to the book was just the idea of like, okay, we would see these two entrepreneurs. We'd see these two types of entrepreneurs, you know, the one extreme, they are super passionate about what they're doing. They love what they're doing. They're changing the world. This is where I was, you know, at, at later where I'm like, I'm, I'm having an impact on the world. I'm, uh, multiple people tell me, you know, Matt, you, you, you kept me from committing suicide. Matt, you saved my marriage. You, you made my, you saved my life. You made me a better person. And I'm like, that's awesome. None of them paid any money. <laughs> you know, I am like, I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm passionate about it, but I'm not having any financial success. So that means I can't keep doing it very long. And so that's where we see a lot of entrepreneurs. Again, they love what they're doing. They're waking up early. They're staying up late. And at the end of the year, they have $0 or a thousand dollars to show for it. They're making, you know, a third of minimum wage, yeah. you know, and they're questioning their whole existence. The flip side is exactly where I was in 2005. Oh my gosh, I'm making more money. I know what to do with. I'm successful financially, but I hate what I'm doing. It's soul sucking. So yeah. either way, the person quits, you know? And so the world misses out on their message. The world misses out on the impact they can have because they just give up, whether it's because they're, you know, their soul's being sucked or they're just not making the money so they can't keep doing it. So I'm like, the premise of the book is the premise of like my whole business. How do you give the best of both worlds? How do you become the 5% of entrepreneurs who love what they're doing? They're waking up with passion. They're waking up with purpose. They're going to bed tired, but, but happy, you know, that kind of tired and they're making money. So their family's not quite like, why is daddy waking up at five o'clock in the morning and working for four hours before he goes to his real job? Um, we don't have any more money, you know, like yeah. your spouse isn't like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like I realized Joe, as much as I would love for the mortgage company to take that, you know, that tweet saying you saved my life as payment, 
They never did. <laughs> you know, the kids soccer, they do not take the positive. Like I can't afford them a positive email from a person who reads my blog and say, Hey, do I get a $300 discount this year? They, they don't do that. You know, they do not take that as form of payment. It takes actual money. And so that's the whole premise is like, how do we have both? Turn your passions into profits. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Managing your money in a military family can be hard because of competing goals like growing savings versus paying down debt or managing everyday expenses versus having fun. Or what about those unexpected expenses with vehicle deployments, PCS moves that always come along? I've been a Navy Federal member since 1990 and I've used just about every financial product that Navy Federal has in those 33 years. And I can tell you, The Navy Federal Credit Union takes the legwork out of saving and investing with a variety of choices. If you want to supersize your earnings on savings, they're offering some of their highest rates in 10 years. And whether you choose savings or investments, you can make it easier by automating. Plus, their website has articles, tips, and tools that make complicated subjects easier to understand. Check out Navy Federal's supercharged rates at NavyFederal.org slash save and invest. Saving products are insured by NCUA. Investment options are available through Navy Federal Investment Services and are not insured by NCUA. All right, back talk with Matt McWilliams from uh, Turn Your Passion into Profits. So, Matt, we're all we're all waiting with bated breath here. How do you actually do that? How do you actually turn your passions into profits? Because a lot, there's a lot of folks in the military who'd love to start an online business. A lot of folks try to yeah. start an online business. I mean, the ideal transition out of the military is if you can get something going while you're still in the military and you're making money and maybe the only thing holding you back from making more money is the fact that you got that J-O-B, you're still in the military and you yeah. can roll right out and then dramatically scale on your way out. And that's the perfect transition in entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, military or not military, like I, I do not recommend, you know, starting that, you know, that business just like, okay, I'm done with my job. Like I do not recommend, you know, leaving and then trying to start it the next day. Yeah. Uh, financially it's unwise, you know, and, and it's a little, it's, it's challenging. Like I think one of the things that whether it's the military or any other career that having that full-time job does is it gives you very limited constraints. You know, you do not have 50 hours a week to work on your side business. Like that, you just don't have it. Right. You got 17, 20, maybe only 12, you know? And so you're forced to work on the 80 to 20, you know, the, the 20% of things that drive 80% of the results, you're forced to really get systems down early on versus, you know, if you got all the time in the world, uh, there, there's a song by, uh, two comedians called Trip and Tyler. And, uh, it's called the, the song is called Harley working from home. And one of the lines that I've always thought was funny is it said, you try getting something done when you can do anything, you know, when you have 50 hours, 40 hours a week to do anything like, in in your home, like try to get something done. It can be very hard. And Parkinson's law is a true thing. Like if you have 12 hours, I hear newsflash, you will not get much more done when you have 40 than when you had 12, you'll get a little bit more done, but not much more. And so the other thing from a financial standpoint is when you're, you know, when you're in the military and you've got a steady paycheck that, you know, let's just say it, it pays the bill and it pays the bills and leaves you a couple hundred extra, maybe just, just for argument's sake here. Right. And I know everybody's in a different situation. Maybe you've got a child that requires some extra medical expenses or, or whatever, you know, the different things, but let's just say that, let's just say it just pays the bill. Exactly. You, you can survive off of what you're making in your, you know, in your check. Right. Well then if you're bringing in an extra 500 a month, not a lot, you know, 500 a month, not a ton, but at the end of the year, that's $6,000 
And that $6,000 you can completely save. And then the next year you bring in say 1500. Again, am I suggesting you can live off of 1500? Not, not by any stretch of imagination, but that's $18,000. Now you have $24,000 in the bank. And then you go into year three and let's say you get that up to, you know, we'll go 2000. Again, not enough to live off of, but that's another 24,000. My math correct. You got $48,000. When you leave, now you can go, man, I think I might be able to do this full time. Cause not only will you make a little bit more money doing it full time, but you've got 48,000. So if you can now make 4,000 a month and it takes 4,500 to live on, you can pull off that 48,000 for a while while you, sure. you know, build this thing up. And it's just a lot easier to look at your spouse or to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm going to do this full time, which might seem a little bit crazy if you got $0 in the bank. You know, so if, as long as you're wise with that money and you're literally just saving it up every month and stockpiling it at the end of those three years or so, you've got a nice little, um, you know, nest egg, so to speak there, nice little uh, emergency fund to have saved up. The other thing is like when you're in the military, um, I know there are, you know, there are limits on what you can necessarily do and say sometimes, but it's, it's, there's a different perception when you're in versus when you're ex in terms of the audience, especially if, um, if you're doing something that has anything to do with the military community. So take advantage of it while you can, sure. you know, like sure. you've only got a short period of time where you're still in the military, take advantage of it. Um, and there, there are certain things that are happening in your life. Again, you can't talk about specifics, but you can talk about in generalities that, aren't happening, you know, the moment you leave. And so take advantage of it while you can, is what I'm saying. So the path that we, that we share in the book, I mean, ultimately it it comes down to number one, you've got, this is step one of the book. You got to clarify who you help. So you got to really got to clarify like what you, what your passion is, who you serve. Um, I talk about like, you know, I share multiple stories in the book. One of, you know, which is mine where I talk about like when I started out, I thought my passion was personal development and leadership. And I realized like, you know what? No, I am passionate about those, but I'm not like the expert on those things. And I don't know that I really want to help people in those areas. And so creating content was a real challenge for me. So I then transitioned over to the affiliate and online marketing world because I realized not only am I passionate about it, but I'm an expert at it. And I have content for like, if I wanted to, I could plan the, the content for our business for the next 10 years versus when I was in personal growth, it was a challenge for me to come up with that. So there's three questions I walk you through in the book to, to, determine, to determine what your passion is and who you help. Number one, what is it that people are always asking you for help with? Like you're the go-to guy. You're the go-to guy or gal. Like people are always saying, oh my gosh, you are the expert on this. We need help with this. You know, like how, how can you, like what can you do to help me with those things? The second thing is like, what is it that people say is really interesting about you? Um, the example I talk about in the book, there's a guy named Dan Carlin, who has m- in my favorite podcast. I don't, do you know who he is, Joe? Have you heard of Hardcore History? No. Okay. Well, to give you some perspective, when he releases a new episode, like on Apple Podcasts, it is the number one episode on Apple Podcasts for like two days. Not number one in the category, but like number one on the entire platform for like multiple days. Yeah, he's the, oh, wait, he's he's like the the history guy who yeah. does really cool pieces on parts of history. You never heard about it before or something like that. Right. Exactly. And it's fascinating uh, stuff. And so, but he's not a historian. Guy. Yeah. And he even says, I'm not a historian multiple times. Like you know, the, the series he did on world war one. Oh my gosh. Like 
and it's not about like, does he cover how World War One started and some of the geopolitical stuff for the first 30 minutes or so? Yes. The entire next 15 hours is about the soldier's experience. Like individual soldiers. He does one on World War II and it's actually, um, it's about the fanaticism of 1930s and 40s Japan. And, you know, but you know the stories being in the military, like the guy who was in the Philippines like 25 years later thought the war was still on yeah. and kept shooting people. You know, like it's that, like what is that side of thing? It's the soldier's experience and the, you know, like those types of things. And yeah, he talks about Genghis Khan and, you know, tells stories about that. But it, like when he talks about Genghis Khan, it's about like what it was like to be invaded by Genghis Khan. You know, and what it was like to be in Genghis Khan's army. And so it's just fascinating. Here's the thing. He's not a historian. He'll tell you he's not a historian, but he would go to like Thanksgiving dinner with the family and then something would come up and there'd be like something happened in the news. And he'd be like, oh my gosh, that reminds me of, you know, this story I read about World War One and yada, yada, yada. And people are like, that's fascinating. And so basically they said, that's really interesting about you. So what is it that people say is interesting about you? The third thing is what did you struggle with, but now you are successful at? And I write about it's the longest story in the book. I was actually just on the phone with him about three hours ago. Dear friend of mine, Alan Thomas, he's a weight loss coach. He's in his sixties and he's not the guy who was like the super fit friend that we all have. Who's been like in shape since he was 15. And he's not ex-military where it's like, you know, he'll just drop and do a hundred, you know, none of that stuff. Like he was yeah. overweight for 50 years. And he woke up and is about, he's like 56, 57 years old. He looked at the scale, it said 304. And he went, all right, that's enough. Uh, about nine months later, he weighed 175. And so he can relate to those people and he shares his story. And all he does is teach people, here's the system I used for nine months to lose 129 pounds, you know? And so for him, it's something he struggled with. So those are the questions to ask yourself. Most people, when they finish those three questions, are like, I got it. I know what my passion is. I know like the key is to be intentional. Like you get to choose who you help. You do not, when you start a business, when you become an entrepreneur, there's a myth that you just have to deal with crappy customers or people you don't like. And you have to work, you have to, you know, the customer is always right. Well, no, they're not. You get to pick your customers. You get to choose who your audience is. And if you try to serve everyone, you end up serving no one. So get like really granular and specific. We walk through how to develop your ideal customer avatar and all that stuff. So at the end of that, that's step one, like you're clear, here's who I serve and here's how I'm going to serve them. Awesome. You know, uh, niching down and then niching down even further. And then when you think you got it, then niche down even further than that when you're starting it should I, hurt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And and the avatar, that was some phenomenal advice I had when I started the podcast. Like I was kind of all over the place and like, I, I just want to talk about entrepreneurship. It's for everybody. Like, nope, can't be like that. No, that's what I love about about your podcast. I mean, like you, you did, it's like, okay, basically veterans who want to be entrepreneurs. In fact, you're not all, you're not even really all veterans necessarily. Like you're probably, I don't know, you're probably not attracting veterans who've been out for 20 years, Yeah, you know, and you're not really like attracting people who just, you know, the 19 year old who's in, who's in basic, you know, that's not who you're attracting. It's a very specific, even subset of that population, which is still, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, please yeah. don't misunderstand me, but it's basically, I'm in my last two to three years of, you know, of being in the military, or I'm within about a three or four year window of being out. That's who your audience is. Yeah. And, it, and it, it's like, oh, but I could, couldn't I just do all military? Mm, you could, <laughs> but it's going to be harder for somebody like, this is the thing you want people to say that guy's for me. 
Exactly. So I can tell you right now, having really just met you, Joe, if I know anybody who's in that like six year window, yours is the podcast I, re- I would refer them to. Yep. I don't exactly. have a question about that. If they're like, I'm thinking about starting a business or I'm not really sure what I want to do after I leave the military or I just got out of the military. What do I do now? Like, I know you and I know exactly, I don't have to go, I think this Joe guy might be able to, I don't know, is he kind of serves all, all veterans. Should I, I don't know. I don't know. I actually do it. I don't know who to refer you to. Yeah. No, I'm like, go listen to Joe's podcast. Go listen to veterans. on That's your podcast. Like start there. Step one over and done with. That's what you want people to say about your business. Like I have my podcast branding. There's a whole story that I share in the book, why it became the affiliate guy. It has nothing to do with that. I'm some sort of smart marketer and knew that people would call me that years later but I cornered the market on affiliate. You want to start an affiliate program or get started in affiliate marketing? I'm the guy. Uh, you do not come to me to learn about 74 other things that you, that I, I could teach you. In fact, I'm even pretty good at them. I might even be better than 99.9% of the population at teaching you how to do about 74 other things. Nobody thinks of me for those things. But if you think affiliate, like it's almost become synonymous with like Matt McWilliams affiliate marketing, you know, that's what people, that's what you want to the kind of like the corner on the market you want to have with your platform. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I didn't want to niche down like that, but you know, John Lee Dumas, who's an army veteran, he was my, I hired him as my coach. He was big, just becoming oh, yeah. a huge podcaster in the beginning still is. He's like, no, you got to niche it down. You get it. He goes, you can always broaden it broaden it out later if it becomes evident you need to go broader but if you start broad it's always going to be really tough to go more more focused afterwards and so yeah i did i niched it down and and one of the ways he put it was every time you come to a fork in the road you need to know who you're talking to because that will answer whether you go right or left and time after time after time i've never been confused about who i'm talking to and who i'm trying to who i'm trying to help and so in the end, it it worked. I followed the advice, and I've I've stayed niched like that the whole time, and it's worked great. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you said, I mean, the, we it's called the halo effect. You're seen as an expert at one thing, so eventually people start to think you might be a little bit of an expert at the you know some tangential things, <laughs> and then that halo kind of gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. But until you're seen as like the world's leading expert on that one thing, you're not gonna you know you're not gonna ever be seen the halo effect's never going to take place. And it's kind of like, you know, we've all got the friend who's like, oh, he knows how to fix cars. Mm, our brakes are out. I want a brake specialist. I don't want the car fix guy. I want like somebody who said they do brakes. What else do you do? Brakes. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Brakes. <laughs> <You know, laughs> maybe rotors. You can do rotors. All right. You do rotors and brakes. Those are the two things you do. I want that guy. Yeah. And then eventually if I, you know, I go to him and be like, hey, anything else you know? breaks. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. He knows like a couple other things and he can do those. But exactly. until you become like the go-to guy for that one thing, you can never expand. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of folks in the military and I always, I always speak to the military spouse also because oftentimes the military spouse is the entrepreneurial one in the relationship. Um, they're the ones that may not be tied up with military deployments and military training and everything else going on. They might be the yeah. ones that have the time on their hands and Oftentimes military spouses, especially if they're living overseas or they're moving every couple, three years, they have a hard time holding down a job because no one wants to hire them because they know they're going to be leaving. In foreign countries, they're prohibited from working in the local economy in many cases. Um, So the military spouses, 
end up gravitating towards entrepreneurship at times also, because one, yeah. it might be their passion and or, and, or it might be their only choice um, to produce income for the family. So military spouses, yep. I try to get them on the show as much as I can also, but that's also, they're also in that same niche of the military member might be the one getting out in, the, in a couple of years, or they might be in the middle of the transition. Now military spouses in the same, still in the same position. They're, they're right there with them. It's the whole family going through it. So often, can you talk to, you, you've touched on a little bit, but let's go into a little more depth with how do sometimes none of us typically look at, we're an expert about anything, but so when you're trying to come up with that idea, if I'm going to start an online business, or I'm going to start something that's my passion. You know, what do people come to you for that kind of thing? Like, well, sometimes, sometimes it's right in front of us and we don't see it. Yeah. A lot of that. I mean, this is what step two is all about. It's about committing to being a leader you know, committing, commit to leading. Um, this isn't as hard for the person in the military it can be really hard sometimes for the spouse. Cause by definition, you know, uh, this, I, I know this because of my sister, you know, her, she's a military spouse, mm-hmm. you know, okay. When he gets deployed or when he gets, you know, ship, he went from Louisiana to Fort, he went from Fort Bragg to Louisiana, back to Fort Bragg, down to, over to Texas back to Fort, I think he was at Fort Bragg like four times, you know, yeah. and he kept like, she just had to go. So that kind of makes her feel like a follower, not a leader, you know? Sure. And that's, that's that, that feeling that I, that I heard that I've heard from many, you know, military spouses is like, well, they just don't have a choice. Like they're not the leader. They don't even, they don't even get to choose where they live. You know, they just follow. So that leadership mentality can be difficult for a lot of people, even for military, it can be difficult. Like, Oh, I'm not an, I'm not an expert at that. Or I know we hear this one a lot. Like, well, there's other people talking about the same things. Like, you know, I know, you know, this Joe, you're not the only person who, you know, sort of does what you do. Right. Right. You know, there are others, but you're the only one that has your exact experiences. You're the only one that has your format. You're the only one who's interviewing the people that you're interviewing. You're the only one that's focused on that subset. You're the only one who, you know, whatever. And so I think there's a market, you know, for somebody like out there going, well, I want to help veterans too. Maybe you're female. That's a difference that differentiates you from Joe that differentiates you from some of the others. Or maybe you're you're male and you're the military spouse. I mean, all military spouses, the whole focus is on them being women. But if you're a male military spouse, you're, you're yep. on an Island, dude. <laughs> yep, exactly. And so we find that differentiator, you know, step through, yeah. we talk about standing out and how to stand out. And so we find those differentiators, um, how we are perceived as different. Sometimes it's just in our style, you know, sometimes it's like, you're going to attract a subset of the military who's maybe the wild and crazy. And then the other person is going to attract the subset who's a little bit more chill I don't know. Like there's different ways you could, you know, attract, or maybe your, maybe your passion has nothing to do with the military whatsoever. And the way that you stand out is you're like the only one in your niche. Maybe it's a more straight laced niche and you're the only one who's coming at it from an ex military perspective. Maybe you've got tattoos. Maybe you've got long hair, short hair. Maybe you have a deep gravelly voice or a high pitch. I don't know. Like there are so many ways that you can stand out in the marketplace, but it ultimately comes with just embracing the fact that, you know, you're a leader, you know, you are a leader, like people out there, like someone out there needs your voice. They need you to lead them. You know, when I talk about Alan Thomas in the book, the people that needed him were not the people who they didn't want the 27 year old 
who wears like the bike shorts and a, you know, the speedo top, right. You know, and it's like, look at me, I jog in place everywhere I go. That's not what they needed. They needed some dude who used to weigh 304 pounds yeah, and then figured out a system. They did. They didn't need a, even a 35 year old. They didn't need a 43 year old. They needed a 60 year old. They needed a married man, not a, not a, you know, a single dude yeah. who's like got eight hours a day to work out. They needed a man who built a successful business, but had let his health go to sh- because that's exactly what they've done. You know, most of his clients make well into six figures and they are success. They are successful businessmen. They are philanthropists. They are, they've been married for 35 plus years. They've got successful marriages. They've raised multiple kids. Their kids have gone on to big colleges and stuff and all these things, right? They're successful in everything except for their health. So who do they need to work with? Somebody who is successful in everything, but their health. They don't need the guy on TV. They don't need Jillian Michaels or any of the, you know, those people. They don't need the guy from P90X. They need Alan Thomas. So who are you? Like, what is your thing? And if you just think about it, like somebody out there needs you right now, there are, there are potentially hundreds of thousands, even millions of people who are waiting for you to be their leader. And I talk about this concept in the book that is, is really, uh, as, I've, as I shared it with clients over the years, it's finally, it's like the thing that clicks with a lot of people. And it's the idea that we don't have to be two miles ahead of our audience. We think that we have to be two miles ahead of our audience, but we don't have to be to be a leader. We think that it's like, oh, if I'm going to be a leader in my niche, I have to have been doing it for 20 years. I have to be like the world's leading expert, all these things. And we don't. We only got to be one step ahead. Yeah. And I paint the picture in the book of like, you know, imagine you're, there's this particular hike in East Tennessee where I think of it, where when you're up there, you know, you're, if you fall, you're going to die. Like you, one wrong step and you, you will fall. There's no way you're surviving 1500 foot drop, mm-hmm. right? You're going to, you're going to be dead. When I go on a hike, imagine you're on a hike with a super fit friend and you're walking along this ledge, you know, what is that? Three miles up in the air. I don't know. That's not three miles. Never mind. A third of a mile up in the air. It's still yeah. a long way. You're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you're on this, you're on this hike with this friend and he's like the super fit friend, you know, the kind who wears the bike shorts and the speedo top. Like I said, jogs in place at stoplights, you know, <laughs> you don't have to ask him, ask him if he's done CrossFit because he's already told you three times today. And you know, it smells like soup mix all the time. You got that super fit friend and he's two miles up ahead of you and he's yelling back. You going, Hey, hurry up and watch out for watch out for the what? Like, what am I watching out for? That's not leadership. You don't have to be the Steve Jobs of your industry to be a leader. The Tony Robbins of your industry to be a leader, a better place to lead from is one step ahead where you can reach back, grab the person's hand and say, Hey, watch out. This next step is dangerous. Be careful. So if you remember that and you commit to leadership, you stop comparing yourselves to others. You know, we stop comparing our platform to other people's. Uh, there's two quotes in the book. They're two of my favorite quotes I've lived by for years. Never compare your beginning to someone else's end or middle from John Acuff. And the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reels. Wow. Stephen Furtick said that. And so when we think of those, we commit to being a leader and realize that people need us. We'll do it. Absolutely. And we can get out there. We can start that platform with confidence that we don't have to be the world's leading expert on this. We can just talk about where we're all. We just stay one step ahead of our audience at all times. What are some of the, what are some ideas to help, help somebody get started? Like maybe, maybe they've got an idea they think they want to go with. They're like, okay, I'm pretty good about this. People are always coming to me. This is what I want to, this is what I want to do. What are some of the first steps in getting started, especially when it comes to doing an online business? 
you know, the very first thing I would start doing um, is I would register a domain and set up WordPress. And then I would determine, okay, I would look at the marketplace in that niche. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to make up an example. You want to get into teaching people how to, uh, well, you know, have a better marriage. Uh, how about that? You know, how you could do that specifically again, we want to niche down. Well, how about for, you know, military, you know, how about that? How to have a better marriage when you're currently in the military and dealing with all the stuff we just talked about, right. How to to save your marriage while during deployments. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's your niche to start with. Now I would look, okay, who else is in that niche right now? And let's just say there's somebody out there who's got a podcast. And there's one other person out there who's, uh, there's two podcasts. One of them is interview-based and one of them is solo-based. I probably wouldn't start a podcast. I'd probably do written or I'd do video. Mm-hmm. I would do video. And, and, and these are all, you know, 30 to 45-minute podcast episodes. I do five-minute videos. And I, instead of once a week, I'd release them three times a week. I'd release three five-minute videos every week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know, something like that, like clockwork. And I'd focus on that. And then I would start, I would just start creating the content. Do they need to be the greatest videos in the world? No. But do you need to keep them under five minutes? Yes. Because you're reaching a different set of the audience than the one who's listening to a 30 to 45 minute podcast. Because when do you listen to 30 to 45 minute podcasts? Commutes or workouts? That's pretty much it, right? Right. You know, those are the two times. But when do you watch a five minute video? When you have five minutes. So it's a different audience. So I would find that I'd find the thing that's going to stand out again, go through step one, get really clear on who you're going to, you know, uh, work with. And then when you get to step four, we talk about how to convert those, those viewers, those YouTube viewers that you're now having, how do we convert those into subscribers? And that's the big thing. And then over time you build a relationship with them, but I would find, I mean, just look at it, zig when they're zagging, zag when they're zigging, whatever it is, Whatever it is, like, again, if, if they're all doing written, then do a podcast, you know, find your strength. Of course, if you're a better writer than you are a speaker, then, you know, that will dictate a little bit of what you do. Look at the marketplace and see where you can best serve. If it's to focus on the, you know, the military side, or if it's to focus on the spouse side, you know, um, whatever it is, like find that niche, niche it down and then find what other people are doing in similar areas and then find how you can stand out by doing something a little bit different. Hey, you mentioned get a domain name, start a website. I, not to throw you a curveball, but yeah, I've been through this struggle a number of times with different domains. Where do you go if you want somebody to just stand up a, a decent website for you? Do you have a particular place, or you got a guy? If like if I were creating a website from scratch, yeah, because I I'm like, oh, I'm going to do it myself. Oh, I can do WordPress. Oh, yeah. I can do a template. I'm like, ah, and it never. Of course, it's always just gets really complicated really quick. Yeah. So I'm actually doing it right now with my daughter. She's, uh, she's 11 and she's starting what's called a barkery. You know, it's a dog treats bakery and, uh, feel like I should drop 12 strays.com, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One, two strays.com. Uh, if you go there like too soon, it's not fully done. (laughs) Um, so that'll give us a little bit of a, that'll be the first time I've mentioned that publicly. I gotta like, okay, Sally, we got to hustle. We got to get this thing ready. You got till, Um, you got till the 13th of March. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, we're building that from scratch. I can tell you what we've done and, you know, uh, full disclosure, I own, uh, you know, I own a WordPress theme company, but um, so we work with a company called Agathon for hosting. I don't necessarily recommend them when you're first starting out because they are a little bit on the expensive side, but if you want to make it stupid easy, like 
how do you install WordPress? I don't know. You know what I do? I email them and say, please set up WordPress and they do it. So if you need a little bit of like, my gosh, this is way too hard. To me, it's worth a little bit extra that we spend. Um, and so we recommend that they're called Agathon hosting. I can just Google them. Or I think if you go to our website, we have a link to them somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we recommend them. They set up all the WordPress and then we use, you know, notable.press. Um, and we set up, uh, you know, a theme and then we customize the theme and it's all like, we made it purposely that like, you don't have to be super techie. Like I'm not a techie person. I don't know code. Um, I know how to copy and paste code when I Google, like, what's the code for this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I don't know code. I don't know how to program a website and we made it like stupid easy. So you can just like, here you, you up, if you know how to upload, if you know how to use uh, Microsoft word yeah. or how to upload a file to the internet, which most of us know how to do that. Now, if you can upload a picture to Facebook, you can use, you know, notable. Um, and so you upload your pictures and here's where they go. Boom, 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 And it just formats it for you. It's templatized. So it's a little bit not customizable. That's the one thing I'd like to work on over the next couple of years, but it's on purpose because it's not meant to be customizable where, you know, you can do a hundred different things with it. You can do like five things with it create a basic, really killer website. It's what our website is on and people compliment our website all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that would be kind of the first steps is, is just get it up and running. Um, make, do use something easy where you don't have to know like coding and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Cause it's always like you get your WordPress site, you buy a theme, you install it and then yours looks nothing like the theme, like, or nothing that <laughs> websites look like or using the same theme. And it's like, okay, they're, Therein lies, there there begins the problem. Yep. <laughs> it's always an issue. Okay. Well, hey, um, we are getting close to the end of our time, Matt. So uh, first off, tell us where we can find your book, Turn Your Passions Into Profits. Yeah, you can get it anywhere. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, it's in stores. Um, if they, you know, Target, Walmart, if they sell books, they sell, you know, they sell our book. Uh, the best place to get it though, guys, is passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash veterans. Uh, that is specifically for your, you know, your listeners, Joe, awesome. uh, when you go there, we've got some exclusive bonuses. So when you get the book through there, you'll just come back and say, you know, like if you buy it in stores, that's great. Just make sure you go to that URL. You can um, redeem your receipt. And then we've got over $500 in special bonuses. So cool. Passions into profits book.com forward slash veterans. That's uh, that's for you guys. Awesome. And I do want to give you the last word. If you're talking to, somebody in the military, military spouse, they're, they're in transition or getting close to it. Uh, may have gotten out and didn't like where they landed looking to get into the entrepreneurship game, start some kind of online business, preferably online. What kind of advice comes to mind? Man, buy my book. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, you know, there's something that really, there's a story in the book that, that, um, has really resonated with a lot of people that I'll just share and I'll, and I'll kind of let people get what they want out of, out of this story. Um, and there's a lady I write about in the book. She's got two autistic children and she was interviewing for our mastermind. She was like, you know, basically wanted to be a part of our mastermind, but she was like, man, I, I think I'm a, you know, I'm a great fit. I think I'll enjoy it. I think I'll get a lot out of it, but I just don't think I'm qualified to do this. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I don't have all the letters behind my name. I don't know all the, you know, she's like, I still don't know what the difference between an amygdala and a cerebellum is. And, you know, she, she wants to help parents with autistic children. She's like, I don't, I didn't go to a fancy university. I dropped out of community college, you know? And so no matter what it is, like whether you're ex-military, 
are in the military, like probably the thing you want to do, you feel completely unqualified for. And I was like, I asked her, why do you feel that way? She gave me all these reasons, no degrees, no letters behind her names, uh, behind her name, no, no experience. There's other people who are helping parents with autistic children. I said, you told me a moment ago that you have two autistic children. She said, yeah. I said, um, and you haven't killed them yet. <laughs> she said, no. So as a matter of fact, you've really helped raise them pretty well. They're doing pretty well based on what you said. One's in college, you know, one plays sports. They're making great grades. They're well adjusted. They have friends. She said, yeah. And I don't know what made me ask this question. It was one of those questions. As soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh gosh, why did I ask that? I said, have you ever thought about killing them? And she didn't hesitate. She said every day. Oh, wow. And I don't mean like she's thinking of ways to drown her children. Please like, don't go searching out this lady and reporting yeah. her to the you know, CPS. She's just going, there are times where they drive me nuts. And she's like, it's, it's, I'm at a limit, Matt, sometimes. And I said, but you haven't, but you haven't. I said, so talk about that. Talk about your experiences. Talk about your life. Talk about how you've successfully raised two autistic children in this crazy world that we live in. And this is the part that's not in the book. That story is in the book. But the part that's not in there, because we finished the manuscript over a year ago, and then, you know, this came after the manuscript was finished. She emailed me about six months later and said, I just want to give you an update. Um, I've got a YouTube channel. Got over 10,000 subscribers. I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. I'm talking about my life as a parent of autistic children and how I'm helping my children and, and, and all these things. I was like, that's great. She said, go check out this video. And it's a video that I had casually mentioned she should do because she had mentioned that she was successful at it about traveling with autistic children. Because the thing I didn't know was that it's a nightmare for the parents sometimes because they're stressed that the kid's going to act out because you're taking a kid out of his routine yeah. and they're used to getting up at a certain time and going to bed at a certain time and doing the same thing at specific times. And you're waking them up earlier, putting them in bed late and you're putting them on a metal tube surrounded by strangers and putting them up at 38,000 feet. Like I am not autistic and I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to be that close to 125 other people, you know, and, you know, at 38,000 feet, my ears popping and all these things. And, and so it manifests itself because the parent stresses out and then that stress, it, it becomes a vicious cycle with the child. And then they do act out and then everybody looks at them and judges them. What a terrible parent. So that's what the parent is thinking. And so she did a video about how to travel with autistic children has over a quarter of a million views. And one of the ladies left a comment on that video and said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I have a seven-year-old autistic child for the past four years. We haven't left our County because I've been so afraid to travel. I watched your video and didn't hesitate. I'm confident now I'm ready to do this. I just booked a flight to Hawaii for our family. Pretty cool. Wow. The point of that, if I could sum it up is like, you have that inside of you. You just, you don't need the letters behind your name. And, and this is the last thing I'll say. Don't ever say I was just a soldier or I'm just ex-military or all I know is, is that no, there, there's a lot more to you. And, um, and, and the world needs that. Like I said, the world needs that message and the world needs you to help them. So get out there and help them. Whoever it is, get out there and help them. That's awesome. Great way to end it, Matt. Appreciate it. Appreciate you telling your personal story and your, uh, entrepreneurial success story and look forward to your future success. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for helping out. All right. We are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. 
If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.